0: Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. Hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. My name is Rachel Laurie Harris. I'm a professional dog trainer and I'm also the proud owner of American Staffordshire Terrier that we lovingly call Waylon. In this series, Pitbull Stories, I talk with Pitbull owners all over the world and we share our stories about Pitbulls, how we got into Pitbulls, how we love Pitbulls, what we've learned from them, and how we're advocating for the breed now. I'm really looking forward to sharing these stories. And if you'd like to be a part of this, series, please follow us over on the Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. Send me a DM. I would love to chat and hear your Pitbull story. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, hashtag Pitbull story. So guys, I'm here with Sarah today and she is going to share her Pitbull story. So Sarah, tell us about yourself, where you are. Tell us about your dogs. Tell us how all of this this blocky-headed love got set in motion.
1: (laughs) So, uh, you already said my name. My name is Sarah. (laughs) I live in New Jersey. I have three pit bull type blocky-headed beasts. Um, (laughs) one small human beast who is almost two, um, and a husband and a lot of cats. And (laughs) our house is a little crazy, (laughs) but, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, Let's see. So, the blockies. So, our I've got three dogs. Like I said, uh, Brody is my oldest. He was my first dog. I had just graduated college. I was living in Connecticut. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I was going to move home. If I was staying in Connecticut, I didn't really know what I was doing. So, of course, I thought, hey, I want a dog because yeah, naturally, I, naturally, <laughs> it a totally logical thing to do, and was absolutely, you know, sane. <laughs> I was browsing Petfinder, and there's this little tiny local animal control in a not so great neighborhood that uh, had a bunch of dogs on Petfinder. And I saw his face, and he was like seven months old, and he's got a white head with all these little freckles, and he was so cute. And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go get a dog. I'm gonna go get that dog." <laughs> so I showed up to animal control, gave them $50, and they handed me Brody. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so
0: like th- was it just his picture that like won you over? Or were you like thinking about
1: a blocky headed dog? Like, is that what you wanted? I mean, I always I've always kind of liked the animals that people say like that the general consensus is like they're not good animals. Like I love rats, I love pigeons, um, I love seagulls, I love like garbage animals, I like the say, underdogs. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, exactly the underdogs, and that's I've always kind of been that way. If someone's like, "Oh, we love these things," I'm usually like, "No, I don't want that. I want this other thing." So, <laughs> um, I mean, I grew up. We always had big dogs. I had like a shepherd mix for most of my life growing up. My parents did. Uh, our neighbors had a Rottweiler. I I never saw like big scary dogs as anything other than dogs, and so of Course, pit bulls having you know the stigma that they did that's kind of what I was looking for was some sort of either a pit bull or a roddy or some kind of big blocky headed mix. And <laughs> so I saw him and I went and got him. Um, and he has absolutely changed my life. He is he started out as like your normal, crazy, rambunctious puppy, and when he turned about a year, all of a sudden a lot of behavioral issues started showing up. He Became really reactive. He was terrified of strangers. All of a sudden, um, leash reactive. All this, you know, crazy stuff that I was not prepared for as a what twenty-two year old, twenty-three year old <laughs> who didn't even know what I was doing with my life yet. And here I am with this dog. Um, but he he led me down this this journey into positive dog training and shelter work and has introduced me to a lot of awesome dog people and just has in general made me a more patient, understanding, kind person. Um, he's definitely made me a better mom to my daughter. Cause I understand toddlers a lot better because they're basically the same as dogs.
0: Yes. Um, oh my God. <laughs> you know, and I think, I think that's, and all the conversations I've had with all these amazing, you know, blocky headed owner people is that like, most people didn't really like seek out the breed per se, right? Like they just got the dog and then they were like, Oh, right. Okay. We're just, we're jumping, we're jumping head in. Let's just do this. Right. So, okay. So when some of the behavioral issues started to come up, did you like, what were your resources? Like, how did you find out about positive reinforcement training?
1: Um, it was definitely a journey at first. I didn't know what I was doing and my only limited dog Training resources were, you know, what my parents had done with their dogs. And their dogs had always just kind of been easy going, not like Caesar, a shepherd mix. He was a barker, but it wasn't, didn't mean anything. He was just loud. He had a voice, and that was it. Like, that's the only behavioral anything that was remotely faultable with this dog. Like, he was just kind of like, you know, my dad would walk around and he would just lope around next to him, and that, that was that. So I had no experience, no idea what to do. Um, You know, I, I did some reading myself, initially tried doing like what I thought was positive reinforcement training. Now I know that I really didn't know what the heck I was doing and then ended up going to a different trainer who told me to use a prong collar on him. And I did for about a month and then it made everything so much worse. And he actually bit me during a walk because he redirected and it, it was, he, I've actually got three nice, my mom. I got a, I have a tattoo of him in my arm and my mom joked with me and was like, you didn't need to get a tattoo. You've got marks to show that you have him. Cause I've got, I've got three giant puncture wounds, like up and down my leg from him from when, when things were really, really bad. And then I was like, you know what, this is not, this is awful. It's not working. <laughs> I feel really bad doing this to him. There's gotta be a different way. And that's when, um, I'm trying to remember what exactly it was that I found first, but I know I did find, uh, I started reading, like, Debbie Jacobs, and I started reading, uh, stuff from Fearful Dogs, and then I found Care for Reactive Dogs, and, like, a light bulb went off, and I really understood how to do more of the, like, I understood, I started to understand dog behavior, and I started actually reading dog behavior instead of just, like, general training like not like I, I started to understand there's a difference between sit and stay and watch me and like, oh, you are feeling complex things and we have to change those feelings. And once I got that, then then we really started making making progress and and uh everything was much better from there. Yeah, right. Until <laughs> I finally like understood what was going on, it wasn't just trying to like force him into submission basically.
0: Yeah. Right. And I think it's hard, right? Because when we start off as like, you know, relatively green dog owners, and then all of a sudden we have this dog who has these like pretty serious behaviors going on. And then they're in this blocky headed package. I feel like unfortunately that lends itself to quote unquote trainers.
1: Oh, it makes it, it makes it so much worse. Cause like, if he was like a beagle, like, I mean, a for one, he would be a lot smaller, and he wouldn't have bit me as hard. (laughs) But but like, people don't look; people just so like, oh, that dog is barking. When when they see a dog like him, you know, full on reacting, it's it's a lot scarier. And I felt like I had a like I felt like he had to not do that. Like I I felt like people seeing him act like that just made people think that like all pit bulls were bad. So. It was like this this need that I had to make him just be okay instead of now I know that I forced him into way too many situations. And it was all, you know, I was a young kid and I wanted a dog that could come to the flea market with me and walk around and be a normal dog. And I just kept trying to let him into situations he was not ready to be, and he's not that dog. And it took me a long time to. Realize that he's not that dog and come to terms with the fact that he's not that dog. Um, but that's okay, because it doesn't need to be that dog. He's his own awesome dog.
0: Yeah. Well, and I feel like a lot of the people listening can like totally relate to like that pressure that we feel, right? Like as blocky headed owners that like they already have the stigma in the community, right? Like we need to quote unquote make them right appear like good ambassadors for the breed. But like you're saying, right? Like it's not about what we want. It's about meeting the dog's needs first. And sometimes right. that means really changing and reevaluating what we're doing. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <And
1: everything. laughs> so, um,
0: so how, so how did your community, so you were in Connecticut at the time, how do you feel like your community perceives?
1: We were in uh, Westchester in New York, which is a suburb outside of New York city. Um, and it, was before he even started to have any, you know, reactions to things when he was just a seven month old puppy, people would give us like an enormously wide berth on the street. They would turn around or they would go around us. Um, Nobody else really had pit bulls or any kind of blocky headed dogs. Everybody had like labs or tiny fluffy dogs. So just going, just moving in with him, uh, you know, we We were facing difficulties, and that was before any of his behavioral stuff popped up.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, so where you are now, do you feel like the community is more accepting of blocky-headed dogs?
1: It's actually, it's much better now. We we live in New Jersey now. We live up in Sussex County. Um, It's farm country. It's definitely not as... people people are much more relaxed the downside of that is so many people let their dogs off leash but that's an entirely different <laughs> different topic but the other side of that is people are much more like people accept that dogs are dogs like they they don't freak out when dogs bark they don't they're just like oh you know they they hear dogs barking and they're just like oh okay you're protecting your yard and they move on like nobody is like oh that's a bad dog like there's no weird notion that like a dog is a decorative ornament that you know everyone should be able to pet and if it barks it's bad like everyone just kind of dogs are dogs and and that that has there's definitely some bad things that come with that mentality up here but a lot of it for us is good like people walk and even though Brody has like lost his mind a couple times because someone surprised us and got too close people have just been like oh hi doggy and they just keep walking (laughs) like they don't care So, and there's a lot of people that have pit bulls. So that's been nice.
0: Yeah, that is nice. Right. And I feel like, um, I feel like in general, there's more of a shift around like blocky headed dogs, because I feel like, you know, the PR that is social media has really helped bring attention, right. To like how amazing they can be as pets. But that's so interesting, right. To hear about like your community that like there's more of an under, understanding and awareness of, like, what dogs will do to a certain extent, which I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of not-so-great things. But I think that that's cool because I think, like, in a lot of the more, like, densely populated areas, there's still this weird, like, dogs have to walk nicely. They shouldn't be barking, right? Like, we still have this weird – we're, like,
1: disconnected yeah, a, from, like, the reality. Like, it's a very, like, TV view of how a dog should be in a lot of these yes, places. yes. Whereas out here, a lot of it is definitely like farm dog mentality, which, you know, the dogs will be dogs and dog, you know, the- no one, no one really cares that dogs are being, doing things that they're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. Right. Like there's just like, there's a normalcy, like, yeah, dogs bark at things right? Like that's a good thing. And I think that like, like in the farm dog mentality, like that's what you want. You want your dog to bark at things going by, right? Like that's like a more desirable trait. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of other people in your community that have pit bull type dogs.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's tons of them. There's, we don't see too many people walking on our road. We purposely kind of bought this house because we're on a main road, and uh, we're the only crazy people that walk up and down it usually. <laughs> Which is really, really great when you have uh, three dogs with varying social uh, issues. Yeah. Spiciness. Three dogs with varying levels of spiciness. Um, <laughs> but when we do walk, we see you know, people have their dogs in their yards. Another benefit of living on a really busy y- y- road is that most people, at least on our street, keep their dogs in their yards because it's a really busy road. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's, there's lots, of, lots of people and people type dogs and like just God knows what they are, mutts that maybe look a little bit blocky in this area. For sure. For sure. So I want to get your perspective on this, Sarah, because I know that
0: you are a mom to a human child as well. Like mm-hmm. what has been like the reaction from like your family members and like those in your circle as far as like having, cause are all your dogs blocky headed? Yes, they are. Um, yeah. Right. So like having three blocky headed dogs and a young kid, like do you, do you feel like you get like judgment from people do you feel like people are really able to understand like how do you properly manage a household to keep everybody safe?
1: Um, I think for the most part, people understand how much work that I put in. Um, although I do have to say that one of my least favorite like myths about pit bulls is the nanny dog thing, which sounds like a weird thing to get hung up about, but I feel like. There are so many people that put their kids and their dogs in bad positions because they are so eager to prove that their dog is, you know, totally fine with what their kid is doing or they just don't know and they're like, oh, you know, I I have a pit bull and they're great with kids and it's just, I mean, I'm sure you've seen photos and stuff on the internet that are just like, oh God, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Do not let your child sit on your dog. Do not let your child draw on your dog. Do not it's just like, oh, um, it's like whether it's a pit bull or a lab or a beagle or a Doberman or a Chihuahua, like just dump, don't, don't. don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I did I did so much work getting them kind of close to the idea of used to the idea of having a child in the house. Prior to Riley, none of them had been around kids, really, like, I didn't really have friends with kids, um, because of their varying social issues, you know, we don't spend a lot of time around little kids,
0: right. so
1: this is, this was a big, huge, giant change, luckily, because, uh, we, so I started talking about Brody before, and I totally didn't mention my my other two so i've got Brody i've got Ellie who we adopted after um, hurricane sandy my friends found her running around patterson and then they needed somewhere for her to go and i had just um, my last foster had just been adopted so uh, we took in Ellie and she stayed and she's great with people loves people like will just sit there and melt into you for attention all day long but she is very selective about other dogs. And as she's gotten older, she doesn't even want to interact with her two brothers. So we're an entirely like crate and rotate house. We have gates in every single doorway and La has her own like room off the kitchen and they, we rotate out where they go. So that actually kind of helped because everything is already super gated off.
0: <laughs> right. You already had that management in place. Right. And like, that was already your norm. It wasn't like changing up your routine well, right. I'm sure having a baby changed up your routine, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did. But there was, you know, we already had that in place at least, which has also been super helpful with keeping a toddler out of things. But <laughs> gates are gates are awesome. The dogs and, and her so yeah. So we've been, we when we spent a lot of time getting them used to the idea of having a baby um holding a stuffed animal on a sling and playing baby crying noises from it and like basically just giving them treats whenever we play the baby crying noise working on like relax on a mat relax in place and and then adding all these distractions and um like baby things putting out all of the swings and gear and things well before the baby got there and turning them on and making them normal and rewarding them for like laying down at a distance from the things that way they're you know basically just normalizing all of the things that Would have to do with a baby as much as we could without having an actual baby.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I I love that you brought up the nanny dog thing and that actually has come up in a lot of these conversations, right? Is that like, Why we think it's safe to leave babies and kids together, I don't really know. But it isn't, right? Like, dogs are not nannies. Dogs are dogs, right? And no matter the breed, we should not be putting our dogs in situations or our kids in situations, right, where they could be uncomfortable. Okay, so um, I want to give a shout out to your third dog who we haven't heard about yet. Okay, so there's Brody (laughs) and there's Ellie. And then who came after that?
1: Brody and Ellie. So then the, then we have Lincoln. Lincoln Lincoln is my so I thought Brody was my special boy with all of his issues and then we got Lincoln and Lincoln is is a special boy. So <laughs> Lincoln I was uh working and volunteering at um a shelter for a while and I was working primarily with Lincoln because he was he was found um in the area I can't remember whether it was his story that he was like chained to a bench in the park and they brought him in or they just found him running around. At at any rate, he was found. Nobody claimed him, um, unneutered, two or three years old. Uh, And he was just so, he was so shut down in the shelter. Like he would just sit in the back of his kennel and just kind of be frozen. You'd go in to put a harness on him and he'd just stand there. You'd bring him out, walk him around and he would just like stare straight ahead. He wouldn't interact with you. He wouldn't do anything. He would sometimes chase a ball in the play yard, um, but mostly he would just walk in circles in the play yard, just like, it it was like he was a zombie. He was like mindless. Um, Yeah, he was so stressed and he was there, he was there for almost a year and I was working with him pretty exclusively every time I went, I would take him out and do different things with him and he was starting to kind of relax a little bit and then winter came and he wasn't getting out as much and it got so much worse. Um, he was really like, he was losing his mind. And I went in one day and I I knew this day was coming just because I knew how bad he was deteriorating. And I walked in and the shelter director was like, listen, you know, we're coming to a point here. He's not really adoptable at this point because he's so like, we don't even know what his real personality is. He's like, he's not, and he's not doing well. He's deteriorating in the kennel, So you know, we're at a point where we're going to have to make a decision soon and he just, I'm glad that you're here because I wanted to let you know that probably next week mm. we're, we're going to have to, you know, let him, let him go because he's just, he's, he's absolutely miserable and it's been almost a year. And I, you know, while I understood that it was absolutely heartbreaking for me. So I spent the whole next day making like a million phone calls and <laughs> trying to get someone to, to help. rally her. for him. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing full well that I probably couldn't take him, because you know we had Ellie who doesn't handle other dogs like being up in her space well, and bro, I shouldn't even say that she doesn't mind be- dogs being next to her. she just doesn't want to interact with them. if they like touch her, then it's then she's then she's done <laughs> um, and then we have Brody, who actually loves other dogs but needs a really slow intro if he's if he's like you know a strange dog comes up to him, he's not happy about it, but once he's comfortable and relaxed, once he realizes everything is okay, then then he loves other dogs. But, you know, the both of them, we don't have a big house. I was like, we, I can't bring this dog home. So I was trying and trying and trying to find someone to take him. And I couldn't find anyone to take him, especially, you know, I, I knew it was a long shot, too, because I knew that he was kind of a wild card. Um, and the rescue that I had fostered for previously said that they would back him and put them on their Pet finder, you know, if I were to foster him, so my husband told me that we could bring him home because he was very, you know, he knew that if they ended up killing him, I would be inconsolable for ever <laughs> and feel awful, even though I knew it was, you know, if he couldn't come home with me, that probably would have been the best option for him because he was just so, anyway. Um, yeah, so we ended up bringing him home and he was living in our basement for like two weeks. Our unfinished, I was like, my neighbors are going to think that I'm crazy if they like look in the basement window and see like a dog living in a crate next to the boiler. Like I'm just a nutcase. (laughs) So we brought him home and did like really slow intros with, with Brody. And after like about a month, they were okay to walk, you know, side by side on the leash. And then a little bit after that, after about uh, probably almost two months, Lincoln responded to play invitations and they actually played, which was like the best thing. Cause I hadn't seen him play with another dog, really do anything other than like, you know, walk with his head down. Oh. <laughs> he was so shut down. And then like, you know, he was getting more playful here with me, but still like not quite sure what to make of Brody. Um, and then he started playing with Brody and then they get along so well, these two So he ended up just staying. (laughs) Oh my god! He's the reason I say he's my special child is because like for for a while when we first got probably for like the first two years when we first got him, he was great. He would walk and he would you know ignore other dogs. He was always a little shy around new people, but just kind of like I don't know who you are. And if they just kind of ignored him, then he would be like, oh okay, everything's cool. And recently, all of a sudden, he doesn't, I don't know if it's because of the baby and all the changes and it was just like too much for him. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And I will never know. But all of a sudden now, he is not happy with people he doesn't know coming into the house. Like, that's a whole thing we're working on. He has gotten like I don't want to say separation anxiety because I can leave without a problem, but if I'm in a different room than him and I, like, close the door, like, he just needs to be, like, up my butt, basically. <laughs> so that's that's presenting its own set of uh, fun challenges, but <laughs> but he, I will say, he is the best with, with my daughter. Um, Ellie, we're just very careful with because while she is awesome and she loves humans, she she she'll tell she'll tell you when she's had enough of something and she'll you know she'll she'll growl she'll air snap she's never bitten she's got really good bite inhibition but that's not something you want to you know have a toddler test out so we're very careful with their interactions like they're usually fairly separate unless we're like right there um, Brody likes her and he you know he'll he'll let her pet him a little bit but he's older he's twelve he's he's just when he's when he's resting which is what he does a lot now he doesn't want to be bothered. So we don't, you know, we make sure that they are super separated all the time because we don't want her startling him while he's sleeping. And, you know, not that we, not that we let her run all over Lincoln and leave them unsupervised and just say, okay, good luck. But he and her are often the two that are out in the same room when we're out and he seeks her out to lay down next to her. And he, you know, seems to enjoy being near her and he just, he's very, He's very calm and easygoing with her, which like I didn't know how he was gonna be with her. Honestly, he was the only one. The other two are, are acting pretty much exactly how I thought they were gonna act with her. Right. And he was the only one that I was just like, I, you know, I've, I've had him the least amount of time, and and I don't know, you know, he's he's kind of wonky, and I was like, I don't know what he's gonna do with this with this child but he seems to just think of her as like an extension of me and he's just like oh okay this is she's she's part of the family and and uh she's cool so that's
0: so beautiful that's so beautiful and and I really appreciate your honesty in this because I think that this is really important for people to understand that like regardless of the breed, it all boils down to behavior and us making sure that we're setting our dogs up for situations that they can be successful and being honest and real about our dog's preferences, what they do like, what they don't like. And it sounds like you're killing it at that. And, and, you know, I think that I've talked to a couple other people, people, right, who have dogs who like can't ever all just be loose together. And I think it's important because I think that Sometimes people have this like fictitious image of like, oh yeah, you can just get all these dogs and everyone would be loose together and everyone will be just fine. And it doesn't matter the breed, but especially the blocky headed type dogs, right? Like I think that we all need to understand that dogs are individuals and it's up to us, right, as their caregivers to advocate for them and put them in situations that they can be successful in and letting go of like all the dogs just have to be fine with each other because that's not the world that we live in.
1: No. And it's, and each, each, like you said, each dog is an individual and each dog has individual preferences. And, you know, if you do have a a pit bull mix or a staffy mix, like there is sometimes a higher predisposition for dog selectiveness, sometimes, not always, but it's something that you kind of have to keep in mind and know, you know, your dog, know your dog, they might be fine, but, and, and things can change. Like Ellie lived with Brody for three years, I think, before she finally was like, you know what, I don't really wanna, you know, I'm done with you. She's also Ellie's also, um, she's always been food aggressive and that's a big trigger, but we always just fed them separately and no snacks together. But she when she all of a sudden started not wanting him around anymore, as far as like he would like lick his feet and she would think that he was eating something and she would like snap at him and we were like, All right, this is you know, you're you can't you're not tolerating him at all anymore so and he would try to play with her and she was just like get away and we're like okay we are (laughs) you (laughs) loud and clear girl loud and clear all right
0: well and like (laughs) I commend you because it is not fucking easy right like I have lived in a household with dogs who could not be loose together right like the rotating and, and the 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 creating and the changing and like all of that, like it becomes a skill set and you just get good at it, but it doesn't make it easy per se. Right. Like it's it's emotional, right? And I think that 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 was a huge part of me wanting to do this series, right? Is like having these honest conversations with people, you know, because I think that so many well-meaning people adopt these blocky headed dogs and they have these super high expectations. And then they're met with like some of the weight and the reality of like Behavior, right? And individual preferences. And I just want everyone listening to know like, it is okay, right? Even if you, whatever breed of dog, it's okay, right? That like your dog has their own individual preferences. And I just want to normalize this more, right? And like, instead of like what you said earlier, right? Like the TV version of like life <laughs> with dogs.
1: Yeah, because this is not TV, it's, <laughs> it's, it's messy and crazy. Um, the 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 first couple of weeks that we had them separated was definitely like I had like a nervous breakdown at work and had to go home early because it was just it was so much and we were just like how are we gonna do this and now it's second nature it's just you know a thing um, the second the second fight that ha- they they had that we I mean neither they neither of them um, were like severely injured during these fights. Uh it was basically, like I said, Ellie's got excellent bite inhibition. Like she she got annoyed at Brody, told him enough, went went at him, grabbed him by the neck, no punctures, no nothing, was just like, hey, stop it. But he was, of course, panicked. Um, the second time they had one of those fights, Tobias and I, my husband and I were trying to pull them up not pull them apart, but get them to, you know, quit it. And I tripped over the rug that they had kicked up, fell, elbowed Brody, and he bit me in the wrist. He redirected on me. So I ended up in the hospital it was it was a good times it was a lot of fun um and i think that's when we were just like you know what this is not this clearly they are not happy this is not working this is not worth it like and like could we have done a lot of work and a lot of you know counter conditioning and a lot of desensitization? probably but at that point it's like the risks weren't worth it like huh. yeah they're, they're they're big dogs Uh, My husband's also a pilot, so he's not home all the time. So a lot of times it's just me and them. It's like, you know what? It's just, it's too much. And she does, Ellie, he was definitely sad at first that he didn't have a playmate anymore, but she wasn't really playing with him at that point anyway. She didn't want to play with him and Ellie doesn't care. Ellie, she loves attention from people up until a point, but she's also my most independent dog. Like on a nice day, she just wants to go sit outside in the lounger and will sit outside by herself for six hours. And we're like, we have a, a chair outside that's Ellie's chair. Cause she will just go sit in her lounger and sunbathe. And we're like, Hey, you want to come in? No. And she just stays out there. She has, uh, like I was saying earlier, like her room is what should be our office off of the kitchen. <laughs> and it's Ellie's room. And like, we let her out and she hangs out with us. And a lot of times at night, like we put the boys um, upstairs and we'll, you know, we'll close everything off and we let her come hang out with us. And she'll hang out with us for half an hour. And then she goes back in her room. She's like, Nope. I want my own space. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel you, right? Like, so years ago we had two, we had, a an Amstaff and a Pitbull Terrier who, male dogs who couldn't even see the side of each other they would try and they were trying to kill each other. Right. Like it was really bad. There were some bad fights that we had to break up and, um, we made that choice too, right. That like, we're not doing behavior modification at this point. Like it's it's strictly management and, It's so hard, but I just I want all of you listening who have blocky headed dogs and this has been your situation. I want you to know that you're not alone, right? And it doesn't make pit bulls inherently aggressive. It doesn't make you a bad dog owner. It just is, right? Like sometimes these dogs come to us with things that, you know, we can't change. And and it just is what it is, but that doesn't mean we can't maintain the quality of life for all of ourselves by keeping everyone safe. So Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that because I think that a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, Ooh, okay, that makes <laughs> me feel so much better. Okay. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I want to kind of wrap it up here. So very sure. I want to talk just a little bit. Of, so I want to hear how you are trying your best to lead by example in your community um, to help people understand how amazing black-headed type dogs
1: can be. I'd say, in general, I mean, I don't know about like my local community so much, since I none, not well, Ellie, yes, but none of my my two boys are not 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 so much uh, the ambassadors for how awesome they are with other people. (laughs) But I did a couple years ago. I started a um a Facebook page and an Instagram, basically when I started using you know behavioral modification techniques with Brody and getting into like dog behavior and dog training and realizing that this stuff works and there needs to be more, you know, more people out there like talking about it. Cause I was just like, if I, I really wish that I had known all of this five years ago, cause it would have, if I had started this out on the right foot back then, like it would have been just so much better for everybody. So I started up You know, it's it's uh, two blockheads is my my handle online, and I have a blog and a Facebook page. Sadly, have not been updated in a little while because you know, human baby. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) just slightly time consuming. Slightly time consuming. A little bit. Um, (laughs) but the Instagram, I've been I've been trying to to keep going because it's easier to do at least. And basically, I just I just try to show people that you know, even if you have blocky-headed dogs, really any dogs and, you know, whether they have absolutely no issues or whether they have a plethora of behavioral issues, there is absolutely no reason to, you know, use anything other than positive reinforcement techniques and they are they learn no different than other dogs. They are they are just they're dogs. They are dogs and everybody has to look at their dogs for the individuals that they are regardless of what breed they may or may not be. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay.
0: So um, for everyone listening, can you? so is it spelled out to blockheads?
1: Yeah. T-W-O blockheads. Fabulous. Okay. And you're on
0: Instagram and on Facebook? Yep. Amazing. Okay, guys. So we'll be sure to link those up in the show notes so that, so that you can connect with Sarah. Sarah, seriously, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your story. Cause I know it's really going to resonate with a lot of listeners.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. I've been looking forward to this all week. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Thanks for
0: tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about us, please check us out on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. You can also find us on Facebook at A Good Feeling Dog Training, as well as our website, aGFdogtraining.com.